Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Do you expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Recording from a very, very, very safe distance. It's Central Intelligence Cinema. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as always, is Jason Greenberg. So this episode is a little different, a little unexpected. We were going to just do an Intel report to go in our next movie review episode, but then we realized that with all that's happened since our last episode, that perhaps we turn this thing into an episode of itself. So consider this our 2021 beginning of the year Intel report. Um, also, real quick, before jumping into this, we would love to hear from viewers of the pod, or the viewers. We would love to hear from listeners of the podcast, whether it's a movie review idea or you just want to say hi. Please feel free to email us at cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. That's cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. That's all one word. Also, um, if you enjoy the podcast, we would be most appreciative if you took a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes so that the podcast shows up higher on searches so we can build the CIC bigger and better. Uh, But now let's get into the 2021 beginning of the year Intel report. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CSE Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. Okay, so the Intel report. Uh, Keeping in mind that uh, 2020 and the start of 2021 has been the Ford Mondeo of years. Let's do the good (laughs) news first. Uh, first of all, before I get to all the stuff that I initially wrote down, happy birthday to Caroline Munro, who played the, uh, rather delicious Naomi in the spy who loved me. That Indeed. woman, that woman sure knows how to, how to fly a helicopter. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you know what I'm saying, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so literally at the today, as we're recording this, uh, she has turned 72. So. Why, why are all the, the why are all the good looking women from the sixties and seventies turning in their seventies? It's like they were born before us or something. Or something. Something. <laughs> yeah, all those childhood crushes, man. Now they're just our grandmas. <laughs> oh, no. Ah, give me some water. Ah. Actually, hey, you know what though? I I've seen pictures of Caroline Monroe, and she's holding up quite well, actually. It's them genetics, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Better than mine, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, aside from that, um, keeping with the good news, um, I did want to bring up just something that I watched uh, over the holidays. We've been gone for a little bit. Um, something that I watched over the holidays that I really, really liked and I highly recommend. And if I can convince 
you at some point, maybe we can review it, um, is Alex Ryder, which is uh, something that IMDb, it's actually the very first thing that IMDb uh, produced. And it's just a limited series. I think it's eight episodes. But yeah, it's available on Amazon Prime. So if you uh, if you have that, I it, I highly recommend it. It's basically kind of a young James Bond type thing. It was written. Um, it's based on actually the novels, the young adult novels by um, Anthony Horowitz, who actually also oh, Tony, <laughs> who who, <laughs> who also wrote uh, Forever in a Day, the most recent uh, James Bond uh, continuation novel. Although it's technically uh, almost like a prequel novel that he wrote forever in a day but anyway anthony horowitz also wrote the alex Ryder series and so it's based on those novels which i actually got for christmas and i'm trying to read through all those and see i'd be curious to see if i if i'm able to get through all those before they do season two which was greenlit already so we will be getting those in the future so it could be interesting um and speaking actually of anthony horowitz uh, some good news for our UK, our one UK listener. Um, <laughs> Forever in a Day uh, is actually currently available on Kindle on Amazon UK for just uh, a pound ninety nine. I think I said that correctly. <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. Shout out to the Tchaikovsky on Twitter, author of uh, Quantum of Silliness who sort of uh, let me know that that was, that was available. But also on uh, Amazon Prime, I believe, uh, yes. is The Night Manager, which was written by uh, John LeCare, who recently passed away. Rest in peace. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, which is a great limited... How many, how many is in that? Is that like six? Six, epi- six episodes. Yeah. And not not one of them was a slow dragger filler at all. It was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to catch up on that because uh, possibly coming soon to CIC is going to be our first TV yeah, review. Buddy. So that should be kind of fun. Um, also <laughs> sort of in CIC Intel news, we're probably going to be uh, heading into the YouTube space soon. Um, Woo! Mainly because, mainly motivated by the fact that I got a bunch of new spy shit over <laughs> over Christmas, and so I <laughs> thought it'd be fun to review some of it. Also, some of the things that I pre-ordered from 007.com have finally arrived after almost a year of pre-ordering them. So I'll be able to re- <laughs> so I'll be able to review those as well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, in other good news, uh, Roger Deakins of, uh, Skyfall fame in 1917 and Blade Runner 2049, probably one of my favorite cinematographers ever at this point, uh, is to be awarded a knighthood. So, uh, yay for him. So now he has to be Sir Roger. (laughs) Sir Roger Deakins. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I I didn't even know that. Well, I guess, I guess I should know that. Just about anybody can be knighthooded because, I mean, Paul McCartney got knighted. Roger Moore got knighted. So Sean Connery got knighted. Yeah. If actors, sure all, if actors and musicians. Craig a, a knight? I'm not sure if uh, Pierce is. I don't know. He is Irish. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know how well they treat them. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure all the M's are knighted, though. Or, well, Dame, but she's, that's still being a knight yeah, for yeah. her. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then one final uh, good piece of news here. Um, I just found out that uh, in development, originally by Skydance Media, there is a little thing called Heart of Stone, which was recently acquired by Netflix. It's a Gal Gadot-led espionage thriller. Uh, and it was written by uh, Greg Rucka, who did The Old Guard. And then also mm-hmm. uh, Allison Schroeder, who was nominated for an Oscar for Hidden Figures. Um, no wow. release date, but it's still in development at Netflix. But it's been it's been purchased, so clearly they intend to make it. So that's kind of... I'll be curious about that one. I'd, I'd watch Gal... Yeah. Well, I'll watch Gal Gadot do anything, but I'll... <laughs> but <laughs> as long... As long as it's better than Wonder Woman 84, Oof. I'm fine. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, it's it's probably a good thing that we don't cover superhero movies on this uh, podcast because, ouch. Or or is it? <laughs> <laughs> or is it? It might be kind of, a, it kind of is a superhero podcast, isn't it, in this, its own way? Well, I was going to say, I mean, it would be a rare opportunity on a superhero podcast for me to completely beat a superhero movie up. So (laughs) if if we ever go that route, we'll definitely have to add it to the list just so people can see what happens when I see one I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. So uh, moving over, we do have some I did want to cover some things that were sort of covering the the year in review just very very briefly and we had some we had quite a few losses to the spy community to the spy movie community I should say obviously we lost uh Sir Sean Connery um which is probably the the biggest most memorable one we are next episode we are covering Goldfinger and we're going to probably spend a little bit of time sort of talking about Sean Connery and some you know maybe our like best memories and some of that sort of thing I think it's a little too much to try and go into on the Intel report right now. Um, totally. But uh, we lost Sean Connery. We lost uh, Honor Blackman. Uh, we lost, just recently, we lost Michael Apted, uh, who was the director of The World Is Not Enough. Um, he passed away at the age of 79. And then, uh, kind of like we mentioned earlier, uh, John LeCare, uh, the author of countless mm-hmm. novels, from the night manager to spy who came in from the cold, um, Tinker Taylor, soldier spy, the George Smiley novels. So, so we lost him. And then we had the uh, curious case of Tanya Roberts, which right? really, uh, man, that was rough. That was a rough week there. Well, two days really where, her boyfriend, I guess it was, said that she had passed away, and then it turned out she hadn't passed away, and then 12 hours later, she did, in fact, pass away. Right. Uh, so, rest in peace to Tanya Roberts. So, yeah, uh, we had some we had some losses, and 2020 was just, like I said, the Ford Mondeo of years. We just, we <laughs> lost... Too many things, way too many things in 2020. Hopefully, <laughs> things will eventually get better. Hey, hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey, we, we did lose one. We, hey, 
Ben, we did lose one good thing in 2020. Oh, what's that? Well, that that would be the goofy orange president that we had. Ah, He's well, gone. well, yeah. hopefully. Let's, let's technically. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, we did in fact lose him because yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I, you know, I was really trying to just not say anything, but you know. We can edit that out. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we're leaving it in. I just, uh, I just, you know, don't want him tarnishing our our lovely podcast in any respects. So. Fortunately, I don't believe he's in any spy movies unless you count Home Alone 2 as a spy movie, yeah, which no, I don't. I don't either. So, so thank, thankfully, I think, we I think we're good. Yeah, hopefully we won't ever have to fucking mention his name in actuality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so then now we just have to get to, uh, sort of the obvious, which is delays, 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 and all kinds of movies that were supposed to come out and aren't going to come out when everybody thinks they're going to come out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) current situation is most movies have been delayed until the summer. However, uh, the Kingsman is still currently slated for March 12th. No time to die technically is still currently slated for April. Uh, initially it was April 2nd. Then all the posters just said April with no date behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Widow is still slated for May 7th. Um, the only one that moved, the only spy movie that moved was the 355, which was initially uh, supposed to premiere yesterday from the time that we're recording this, which is the 16th. So that was supposed to come out on January 15th of this year. It's now been moved to January 14th of 2022, which was the smart thing to do. (laughs) So in regards to all those, well, at least I think it was the smart thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Jason's rolling his eyes over there going, well. well, No, no, no. uh, Here's the thing. To me, 2022 still sounds like it's two years away, even though it's not now because I haven't made the full mental adjustment on it. Yeah, this whole push it, this whole push ahead to new dates thing is really screwing up my internal sense of how things work. Yeah, in general, because usually it's like I, I, I at any given year, two or three movies always get pushed ahead or pulled forward from what I thought they were going to be. So yeah. I anticipate, you know, if I thought it was coming out in July, they're like, now we're going to push it out to August because we have something else. Okay, fine. Not a problem. It's going to go to Christmas instead. I'm used to that. That's still not a problem. But right. uh, we're going to go to a whole nother year yeah. ahead. And my brain just goes, I can't handle it. Well, and technically, too, they made that jump in 2020. So it probably felt, especially when it first, when that announcement was first made, mm-hmm. it, it did feel like two years out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the deal with the Kingsman. Um, so Disney owns the right to the Kingsman, but they haven't said a whole lot. Um, but based on when it's supposed to release, they generally start dropping promo stuff probably in the next two to three weeks. So if we don't start seeing anything, chances are they're delaying it, which I mean, let's face it, they're probably delaying it. Um, however, There are currently rumors, at least according to Variety magazine, that a major streaming service is considering a buy. But Disney, which who that they hold on to the movie at the moment, they own Hulu and Disney Plus, so they could always do a mm-hmm. virtual release there if they wanted to. Which honestly, I f- I feel like would probably be the the best bet. But who who knows? 
Also, I did think yeah. it was kind. I did think it was kind of funny in Variety. Um, they referred to the King's Man as a spy comedy, which kinda. But the thing is, is if if all movies that if all action movies that are fantastical are comedies, then yeah. then like everything is a comedy. Like <laughs> right. Well, unless, you know, unless I, it I, takes itself dead serious. I feel like. Well, I mean, the first Kingsman did. The second one kind of took it on to that next level. But yeah. I wonder if they're grading they're grading it as a comedy based on the other two. Yeah. Because and the trailer I saw didn't look like it was a comedy at all. No, not I mean, at all. It, like, it wasn't going to be some kind of hardcore spy movie either or action movie. So there were going to be hints of, of humor. But I think you could just call it a spy movie and get away with it. You didn't I call so a man too. from uncle a spy comedy. Right. Because it wasn't really that funny. Um but I don't remember being listed to that. I just remember being listed as a drama and a spy genre. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially based on the trailers, like you said, the the new one looks a little bit more action oriented and less comedy driven at all. Like it, it just looks like a, a cool action movie. So I yeah. don't know. Well, maybe it's because maybe it's because Voldemort's in it. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably has something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Black Widow uh, will probably not go to streaming because of how big the budget on it is. Now, Wonder Woman 1984, by comparison, is probably going to lose a minimum of $100 million at the box office because of streaming on HBO Max. Not that, I mean, let's face it, Wonder Woman 1984 is not a great movie, and so it probably would have taken a hit anyway. But I, I think they, I think doing it this way, they're probably going to be able to break even better than if they'd released it. Because once word of mouth got out what it was. Yeah. Once word of mouth got out on Wonder Woman 1984, people were like, oh, <laughs> but I think yeah. I think so. Who knows what what's going to happen with Black Widow? I mean, I'll tell you what I think with with Black Widow. Um, so, you know, they've got all that Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff is all interconnected and they have things yeah. going on and whatever. So they delayed a good portion of the, the, the TV programs on D Disney Plus because they tied in in some capacity with what happens oh, in Black Widow. Okay. And they, they just released the WandaVision series, which was supposed to come out last year right. before Black Widow did. Ah, so now the, it's sort of revving up to it. Right. So since they went ahead and released the TV show that was supposed to come before, and they're planning on releasing Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is supposed to come after, uh, that tells me that Black Widow is going to happen this year in some capacity. Yeah. Like whether they're committed it ends to up it. in a movie theater, or they'll do the same thing they did with Mulan and say, well, we'll let you watch it, but you're going to have to pony up 30 bucks for it. Right. And right. I'm a, I, I've said it before on this podcast and I think our other podcast, I will pay the money that I would normally pay to go to a theater to watch it at home yeah. without a second thought, because I can stop and pee when the movie's nine hours long. There's <laughs> so no other reason. <laughs> I, but, I agree um, with that. I agree you know, with that. But I know there's so a I, lot of it's yeah. coming, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I still think that you know, I, I understand the argument that, you know, you got these old school people that are, you know, really in the camp of, you know, wait for it to be able to go to the theaters. We need to save the theaters and, and that sort of thing. And I understand that because who doesn't love going to the movie yeah. theater? But 
I also understand that fans want to see stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. these things are done and in the can, you know, the faster that they're released, the faster they can move on to something else or to sort of, or to sort of see how things shape up. You know, if, you know, the faster something's released, the faster they can say, oh, well, they really like that. Let's make another one or something to that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing with Wonder Woman was, you know, it was free if you had um, HBO Max. Right. Right. But they also released it in the movie theaters con- yeah. conjoined at the same time. Yeah. And after 30 days, the only way you can watch Wonder Woman is in the movie theaters. And so you didn't see you gave people the option mm-hmm. of cheaply watching it on a thing for six or seven bucks and then canceling it. Right. Or going to a movie theater. And I don't particularly know if the revenues for for HBO Max went up considerably because of Wonder Woman. But I know that it's released in the movie theaters didn't do anything. Yeah. Because well, nobody he, wants to go to the movies. Right. Yet. Right. Well, here's the other thing, too. I know for a fact, I, I was talking to my wife and her sister wanted to see Wonder Woman 1984. And she didn't initially have HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And then she found out that there was like a seven day free trial of it. So yep. she didn't have to pay anything for it. She just right. did the seven right. day trial, watched Wonder Woman and then canceled. Yep. And so it's like you really wonder how much money they're taking in for that movie at right. all. Right. You know? Right. Well, and they, you know, their plan with Warner brothers is to release their entire slate of 2021s as the same thing. Right. Right. Um, at no cost other than the thing, which Disney, I think, had the right idea. Let's charge them for it, yeah. which is, to the movie industry, devastating because nobody is going to choose that option if they, uh, if you want to see Black Widow and, and Disney wants to charge you 30 bucks for it, but you don't want to go to the movie theater, you're definitely going to just pay that $30 to watch it. You don't have to subscribe to it after the fact. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Disney pockets the money. They go and do what they need to do. The movie theaters crumble to the ground. Everybody <laughs> gave Warner Brothers such a hard time about them doing this dual release strategy. Right. But they did it in a way that supported movie theaters by not charging a fee that would keep people from going to the theaters because the option oh, was there. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're given the option of having the atmosphere, but you're mm-hmm. not you're not giving the advantage to the streaming services. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. All I know is, is that out of the entire slate of movies that's coming out in 2021, the only one that I absolutely have to see in the theater isn't coming out until Christmas now. And hopefully <laughs> all of this nonsense is behind us so I can watch a sandworm in a movie theater as intended. <laughs> as God intended. As Watching God a- As the God Emperor of Dune intended. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So we can't not talk about delays (laughs) without talking about No Time to Die. (laughs) And so. No Time to Watch. Yeah. So the most recent thing now is that it's now been leaked by trade publications, most notably Deadline, that No Time to Die is on the verge of being delayed yet again. Probably to the fall. They haven't said exactly. And this time they were smart and they notified the promotional partners. Um, so we won't get we won't get what we got last time, which was two weeks before the trailer dropped. Uh-huh. <laughs> or no, two weeks before the delay. 
you got a, a litany of, of promotional stuff from different partners, Heineken and DHL and all those companies. You won't see any of that stuff come out this time. <laughs> <laughs> Have them waste more money. So those guys have been warned. Like I said, there's no definitive date yet. Um, here's a weird thing that came out. According to some Dutch cinema owner, who knows if they're credible at all, um, but they said that the movie is being moved to November again. But whether or not that's credible at all, I mean, who's to say? I, who knows? But the thing is about moving the, the movie to November is that now you're looking at rumors flying about whether Mission Impossible 7, which is also slated to come out in November right. already, originally, now there's rumors flying about whether they're going to move from their no November 19th release date to avoid direct competition. The funny thing about this to me is who is in the driver's seat right now between Mission Impossible and the Bond franchise? Because honestly, Mission Impossible has gained, has made gains on Bond lately as far as the box office goes. And I'm kind of wondering who would suffer more from from Bond moving to November? Bond. That's kind of... I'm, I'm telling you, Tom Cruise is the everyman's James Bond. People don't have to... People go in to see Tom Cruise fall out of things and run away from explosions. There's no <laughs> pedigree behind Ethan Hunt, right. right? You're not an Ethan Hunt fan. You're a Tom Cruise fan. Right. Right. But you're right. not a Daniel Craig fan. You're, you're a James Bond, Bond fan. You're a James Bond right? fan. Yeah. And I think if you put the two of them up against each other, especially like even back to back on the same weekend, I bet you that Mission Impossible 7 crushes it because there's no character development. Nobody gives a crap. It's Tom Cruise <laughs> doing ridiculous stunts, things blowing up and, and splody all over the place. That's it. And that's all people are going to want by November is to go into a movie theater turn their brain off for two hours and 22 minutes, eat some popcorn and not think. Whereas you know that No Time to Die is going to be a very thinky Bond picture. It's going to be very floaty. Yeah, but, but it's going to be thinky. Right. And pe people like the, Tom, or like the Mission Impossible movies because they are like James Bond movies used to be before we got intelligent writers and intelligent <laughs> actors and directors to make them. <laughs> Nobody well, is gonna. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's gonna say a view to a kill was an intellectual masterpiece. I suppose you're. I suppose you're right with that. I will say, from a okay. Well, at least the Conneries. I feel like were a creative. Were creative masterpieces. Maybe yes, they were. Maybe maybe they weren't. You know, <laughs> they maybe they were more explody than the ones that are coming out now. But they were certainly. Uh, original to in comparison to whatever else was being released at the time. Right. They were the prototypes. What yeah. killed it was Roger Moore. <laughs> I have great love in my heart for Roger Moore. I, so I can't, I, I know, I know. And I know we said that I've said this before, but he started out. Okay. He just stayed in the part too long and it just got old and tired as he went along. Well, and, and then I, and, they put, they yeah. put, they put Timothy Dalton in the exact wrong era to put him in and made him stop being a spy and be a drug agent because that was the eighties. <laughs> so he could have, I think he could have saved the franchise. I really do. 
If they'd made actual James Bond movies with him in it, he could have righted the ship from where Roger Moore had kind of left it at 105. Well, I mean, and and yeah. it gone on. At Pierce Brosnan, we're not even going to talk about Pierce. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about him eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, in all honesty, all of Brosnan's films are the most Mission Impossible e of the bunch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's half the reason why Mission Impossible came back was because yeah. of the way because of the way that Pierce's movies were. Yep. Um, and now we're off on a tangent. That never happens. <laughs> never. But just to try and steer us back into the actual thing that we're supposed to be talking about. No time um, to die. Forbes magazine brought up the idea that Cruz and company might actually try and get Mission Impossible 7 done early and then swap the release dates of the new Top Gun movie. Because mm. Top Gun is set to come out in July. And which would be, man, that's that's crunching it because they're still shooting MI7 right now. Well, um, apparently they're having some some people with mass issues on the shoot, too. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Uh, that whole I fiasco heard- with Cruz yelling at everybody <laughs> and which I mean, honestly, the, probably the right thing to do, honestly. But it's just. Yeah. Anyway, whether or not they actually get it done. I can't imagine watching Top Gun <laughs> in November. That's so it's, just, it's, it's a just, summer movie. Yeah, I mean, all you have, just the, I mean, not that this should be an iconic part of that movie, but the volleyball <laughs> thing, that volleyball scene <laughs> that everybody makes fun of. <laughs> I mean, there, you don't get much more summer than that. So, no, but of course, that, that was November in Southern California. So I guess maybe it'll. True. Right. <laughs> Who cares? It's just evergreen. <laughs> So maybe that'll happen. Who knows? And then the final sort of thing that could really just cause a huge shakeup in everything regarding No Time to Die is the fact that MGM, um, as of December, is now officially, officially up for sale. Uh, They've partnered with, what was it, Morgan Stanley, I think, or somebody Mm. uh, to, you know, helping them, you know, pursue that. So if that happens between now and any time this year, if that happens any time this year, all bets are off as far as how right. no, how and when No Time to Die will be released. I mean, because that could really, holy smokes! I mean, who knows? Yeah. Well, and I think I think you've got three suitors there. You've got you've got Sony mm-hmm. possibly. You've, who would probably be the best fit for that entire uh, well, catalog of films. Yeah, because they're distribution. They were former distribution p- partners with them as well. So. Right. Um, you've got Disney, who could just absorb yet another no, entity. God. Please, God, yeah, no. And, Please, no. You know, then all of a sudden you're watching Disney Plus. We've got like Rocky Jr. cartoon, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, or Apple. I know uh, when they originally started teasing this idea that Apple was kind of like, well, yeah. I well, mean, if the, you really want to build a franchise, MGM has got a crap ton of movies. Yes, they under do. Their belt. Yes, they do. And the CEO of Apple right now is a huge Bond fan. Like He's made that known in... No uncertain terms. So you do realize if that happens, though, that all the Q branches stuff is going to be made oh, by Apple at that the point, right? Product placement is going to go through the roof with that shit if that happens. <laughs> Holy cow! Bond will always be on an iPhone, or, or you know, he'll be he'll be wearing 
the the AirPods, <laughs> all the again. laptops, hmm. all the yeah. It looks like an iWatch Q. Of course, it's an iWatch 007, but (laughs) (laughs) it also has acid shooting (laughs) something. (laughs) If you raise your arm and run it across someone's body, it becomes a biometric scanner where you can find foreign antibodies. (laughs) (laughs) It also works as a two way radio. What am I, Dick Tracy? (laughs) So, yeah. So that's pretty much all the news. I did want to see uh, if you had any predictions for 2021 about things, what what we might see in terms of uh, whether it's spy movies coming out or how how this all shakes out. I have I have my sure, own I'll, theories. I'll throw some out there. Okay, here so we can see if they they have any water or floating <laughs> water or not, but. Um, I will say this. I don't think people are going to start going back into the movies until the holiday season. So I'm fairly certain that anything that's planning on releasing in the summer is either going to be a joint release between films and some sort of digital platform, or if they don't have the option because they sold it somewhere else or whatever else, they are going to move it all into as much as they can into the fall winter platform because the vaccine will have made a pretty good saturation of the human race in the United States. At that point, people start to feel more comfortable about it. Um, Of course, it has to be that way because I want to watch Dune when it comes (laughs) out. So I have a personal bias, but I honestly think that's how it's going to go. Now, I also think that the option of being able to watch it in a streaming or video on demand is going to happen for a lot of smaller, less tent pulley films. Right. Because when you're crowding into the end of the year, you're going to have to pull a lot of stuff off the slate. Yeah. Because you have the problem. Then you got your two, three tent poles all competing within the same three month period of time. Yeah. It's going to draw box office off of all of them. So we're going to see some less tent pulley and maybe some smaller tent pole films. I think with that duplicate option, I think so. Too. Um, I think bond's still going to come out at the end of the year. Like you were saying in mm-hmm. November. Um, I don't know if they're going to do the bait and switch with, Top Gun and whatnot and MI7, I suspect somebody's either going to have some serious balls and put them against each other, or they'll release within a week of one another mm-hmm. and, um, you know, probably play the, no, we're going to do it this day. No, we're going to do it this day kind of game with that one. Right. Um, but uh, honestly, we're going to miss another blockbuster movie summer. Yep. I think we'll, I think people will start to trickle in starting in July and August. Yeah. Yours truly probably being one of those people. Probably me um, as soon as I get the vaccine. As soon as I get the vaccine, yeah. I'll feel comfortable. Like, I'll probably still wear a mask, but like, at least then I'll feel comfortable enough to go into the movie theater and, and sit mm-hmm. there for two hours. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, vaccine or not, the only reason I haven't gone to the movie theaters since Tenet is because mm-hmm. A, there wasn't anything to watch, but B, the mask expect- expectation is completely ignored. Right. Because not enough people are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And while you're eating, you don't have to wear it. So I have a big old tub of popcorn. I'm eating through the whole damn movie. So I'm not (laughs) going to wear my mask. I don't want to have, it's the same thing as uh, like 3d movies. I can't go to 3d movies because 3d glasses don't work over my glasses. 
So it ruins the whole thing for me because all I'm thinking about is the glasses over my glasses the whole time. <laughs> the same thing with the mask. I want to go in. I want to have a Coke in one hand, a tub of popcorn in the other. And since I don't have three hands, I have to eat like this. <laughs> but um, uh, all I want to do is focus on my enjoyment of being in the movie. And with Tenet, all I could think of was people. They're not wearing a mask. I don't want to be wearing my mask. I'm eating popcorn. I'm taking my mask off and I got to put my mask back on. Mm-hmm. Um, so until I know I can go to a theater experience where I don't have to do it, there's, like I said, only one movie that's going to drag me out to go do that at this point. So even if everybody got inoculated by July and that was done, I bet you the mask thing doesn't stop until next year. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Because there's still going to be paranoia mm-hmm. about well, and, and, you know, you, there's all, I, there's just a whole slew of X variables that right. regard, regarding the pandemic. Right. I mean, as far as mutation, as far as, you know, whether or not you can still be technically uh, contagious, um, even right. if you, even if you've had the vaccine, can you still be contagious with it and give it to somebody else? There's just a yeah. million variables. And so, yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right. right. The masks ain't going away anytime soon. No. And and the one other thing I'll say as far as predictions go is in the longer term, I really think that this is going, there's going to be a major shift in how studios are producing large scale movies. Because when you look at how these movies are budgeted, a large portion of these movies goes to the marketing department to get the movies out there. And it doesn't matter how big the movie is. You got a lot of, they're probably spending billions of dollars on Marvel movies alone, even though they know if you tell people when they're going to show up in the theater, they're going to go. Right. You don't have to, but they're still sending everybody around the world because everybody wants to see Robert Downey Jr. Everybody wants to see, to see Scarlett Johansson. Some people want to see Jeremy Renner. Nobody <laughs> wants to see Mark Ruffalo. But <clears throat> if you take that significant portion of a movie's budget, and get rid of it by the fact that you can advertise it for free on your existing platform with some limited ads on TV and the internet rather than this whole thing, you can then afford to maybe put those movies on your streaming service at a $30 premium Mm -hmm. and recoup all that cash. Maybe the billion dollar blockbuster is never going to happen again. Yeah. Because they're going to embrace the platform more because they control the profits that way. And I I understand the movie theaters. Yeah. We don't want to lose that venue, but at the same token, you're, you've got a whole thing that's predicated on the fact that something else is going to go along with you. And it's your own fault that you didn't put the protections in place to give you something else to do. Old movie theaters back in the day used to have live performances at them. And then they would screen movies as well. And there you go. That's so like there your was backup. always another. There was always a reason to, to yep. get they, people in. Right. And none of the current event, you could you could have music, you could have stand up comedy, you could do a lot of things at movie theater venues, but they're not set up to do that. And so when the movie theaters strictly became movie theaters, they basically tied their horse to the movie studios. And yeah. I'm surprised that it took the studios this long to figure out that we don't actually need them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just give my uh, my my few predictions here. Um, I right. think number one, no, number one, No Time to Die will come out at the beginning of November, at the very beginning. This gives them just a little jump ahead of Mission Impossible Seven, provided that Mission Impossible Seven doesn't move. 
Um, that's my prediction. <laughs> Unless MGM sells. If MGM sells to Apple, which is the only streaming service that I think would go in for it, that like of all the streaming services, they're the ones that I think most realistically would would buy MGM. Um, and if that did happen, I'll tell you this: I will finally break down and get Apple TV because I'm going to watch. <laughs> Because I will watch Bond as soon as I can, whether it's streaming or whether it's in a theater. I will watch it as soon as it's available to me in one form or another. Yes. Uh, number two, Black Widow will hold on to its release date, but have a limited run in theaters. It'll be one of those three-week runs, and then it'll be available for a premium on Disney. Mm-hmm. That's what I think will happen there. Um. The Kingsman, I think it's going to get bought out and it's going to go to a streaming service. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. I think they'll, I think that one they'll actually make their money back on because uh, the guy that makes, I can't remember the name of the director that makes all those movies. He did kick ass and he did, he knows how to make movies on a budget. And so I think he's going to make his money back because I'm guessing production costs weren't actually out of the, you know, out of the stratosphere for that one. So my guess is, is that that one will probably go, you know, to a streaming service and we'll probably be seeing it by the summer or, or earlier. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'll Um, take it. And then, uh, finally a prediction that has nothing to do with movies coming out is I will continue to buy more bond shit because (laughs) I'm in this just death pattern, this death spiral of buying James Bond collectibles. Cause I just, it's just what I do, man. It's just, it, despite the fact I'm quickly having no place to store it anymore. I mean, <laughs> especially once I move, I'm moving. <laughs> Jason, for, since this is a audio podcast, I'm going to let the listeners know. <laughs> Jason is showing me on zoom, the rest of his room, which is absolutely filled to the hilt, to the ceiling with with collectibles from various <laughs> superhero, especially uh, Superman, but all the other uh, superheroes and all kinds of just, it's everywhere <laughs> in that room. We are birds of the same feather, my friend. <laughs> yes, you just have a longer way to go. Right, right, exactly. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the... Uh, I wouldn't say infancy stage compared to you, but I would say I'm in the uh, perhaps adolescent stage of my collecting. That's all right. I, I've reached the uh, the elderly stage of my collecting. And I'm like, where's all this junk? I need to get this crap out of here. <laughs> yeah. So that's my that's my prediction. Is I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep buying stuff. I just found out. 007, they just sent me an email saying that they're going to make a Corgi version of the motorcycle from No Time to Die. And it's a Triumph motorcycle, which I have always wanted a Triumph motorcycle in real life, but my wife won't let me have it. So closest thing is (laughs) a Corgi. So I'm getting a Corgi version. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah, let's just hope that 2021 goes swimmingly better. Yeah. As soon as a certain someone is gone. But anyway, moving right hey on. Now. Hey-o. Hey-o. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much is it for this episode of the CIC. Be sure to check back with us, though, because on Friday, we've got another episode on deck with our review of the 80s spy comedy, Spies Like Us. Yep, we're going there. <laughs> I'm Ben. I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and yes, more mayhem. <laughs>